Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just going off on a tangent because I don't have anything clever this time. Sorry, folks. Um, so on the page for the movie that we'll be talking about on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a section for You Might Also Like. And Rotten Tomatoes has the audacity to try recommending movies to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I'd just share this with the group. I don't know if this is just this is what's on that page or if they have cookies on there and the algorithm knows what I want. But here's here's what we got. Star Trek from 2009. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Okay. Also very good. Star Wars The Last Jedi. Treks. All right, fair enough. You're, you, you might be uh, riling up some, some feathers there, but, you know, I, I'm fine with it. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Furious 7. <laughs> sure. Back on track. Back on That's, the race track. I love how it's not like a Godzilla movie or one of the other King Kongs. <laughs> this, this thing thinks that I would rather watch or I'd be more interested in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker than I would be any of the other movies in this universe. <laughs> I just like making fun of Rotten Tomatoes when I get the chance, because it's all very silly. I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm Britton, and this week on HDTS, it's KSI, Kong Scene Investigation. Let's dive in. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking- So Kong's call, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Um... From 2017, directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts, it has a 75% critic score and a 69% audience score, which are pretty much neck and neck with uh, the 2014. Wait, sorry, can you give those again? I didn't hear. Uh, 75% critic score. Okay. 69% audience score. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Thought you said it, had to make sure. Let it be known that we are recording this on 420. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tyler, Second funniest day. Tyler, what is your best thing and your worst thing about Kong uh, Scenic Island? I don't know. Nah, whatever. Um, I'm out of ideas today, folks. Kong uh, Cranium Archipelago. Uh, <laughs> I actually quite like this movie. Um, I had not seen it before. I think both of you had. Um, and there are reasons why I'm mad at you for not making me watch it earlier. Uh, <laughs> because I think overall my best thing, and this is not going to be an easy thing to quantify, but it is a combination of things that I really liked. The best thing is just the style of this movie. Sure. Um, for whatever vague ways I want to apply that, I think it visually looks great. Uh, there's there's lots of cool inventive stuff in the way that things are shot especially when you're talking about kong or when you're talking about uh the giant spider things or the uh the 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 skull crushers or whatever um they skull skull crawlers skull crawlers skull crushers are an exercise um (laughs) (laughs) when you're with all of those i think they're shot really well and the cgi looks good uh the effects look good it's it's i would not put it on the level of the 2005 King Kong, at least for sure. Kong himself. Um, but I think it, it looks really good and it has this really nicely integrated style where everything just looks um, fantastical and fun. There's real momentum and energy to a lot of what's what's happening in a lot of the action. Um, 
And I think it, it's just a movie that's fun to watch. It's a movie that really pops out yeah. at you and, and kind of is engrossing. Um, and I think that that bleeds through in the characters. A lot of the characters are, are uh, not, you know, super in-depth uh, character studies, but they're fun and they have they have character. Um, yeah. There's the uh, one of the things that stuck out at me is the bit with uh, the one of the helicopters having a Nixon bobblehead. <laughs> <laughs> right in the front like there's weird little things like that there there's this a uh, quick little scene where uh brie larson shoes tom hiddleston over where they're getting into the helicopter and, and she doesn't say anything she it's just like this quick 10 second uh gag where she waves him to to make him slide over uh and there there's little bits like that where a a, a lesser movie just wouldn't have it at all mm-hmm. it wouldn't have those fun things that make it come to life a little bit more that give it a little bit more detail or it would overdo something and, and make it feel yeah. like it's trying too hard to be silly uh there were times uh, where i felt like the movie was pushing it especially with john c Riley's character uh who ultimately sure. i really enjoyed but um there were some jokes that every now and then were like mm, you're you're really trying to milk this for uh yeah. some sort of uh improv comedy thing um but overall, I think the movie just it it's it's quick, it's fun, it it picks you up and, and kind of takes you along for the ride. Um, in a way that's hard to quantify, it's just the the overall approach really feels uh, feels strong and feels very considered. Feels like there's a a strong vision with how this movie was supposed to go down, and I think it was executed along those lines. Um, I had not seen anything from Jordan Vote Roberts. I think the only other thing he'd done was like a sort of indie coming of age movie and like 2012 and also apparently he directed nick offerman's netflix special i think comedy special yeah um but yeah uh i think he's doing the metal gear solid movie and i'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hyped for that now after watching it because i think in a way that i can't really explain i think his style fits for that um so yeah i was i was definitely pleasantly surprised i thought it was pretty fun um I don't know if I have a strong worst thing. Uh, I I think. I mean, I don't just want to say it's it's some of the the comedy gags they try to do with John C. Riley early on because that I really didn't hate that, yeah. but there are times where they're really just trying to play that along. Um, I don't know. I might go with that for now. Maybe I'll come up with something else. It, it you know, actually, I'll strike that. I don't know if i love the kong design in this um in terms of his design as a a model and a character uh and i think i'm hoping part of that is because they he is supposed to be younger in this and they're they're gonna age him up and make him real big for the um godzilla versus kong and so then that's gonna be maybe maybe that was a considered design and they're going they're trying to make him look a little weird and younger and like not fully realized yet um, mm-hmm. But especially compared to the 2005 Kong, I think that yeah. uh, it really sticks out because that was like my favorite thing about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know what if I can really pinpoint anything in particular about it. It just I, I don't know that the. I don't think and I, I this feels very obvious because Andy Serkis did not do the, the mocap for it. Um, right. But I don't think it has as much character and has as much life and, and feels as uh maybe almost researched uh, as the uh, 2005 one was. So yeah, I'll probably go with that. Just that it wasn't even really a bad thing, but just compared to that, 
it, it was like, okay, he's he's just kind of a big movie monster now. Um, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't I, look I can, quite as cool. Yeah, I can definitely piggyback on that because I, I, I had the same thought. He... This is it, it, it's something I both like and dislike his design in that I don't really like how he looks, certainly comparatively. Like he is not a gorilla like King Kong and the other one is just a giant gorilla. Mm-hmm. And this one, he is a monster who is like a gorilla. Yeah. And I think that that both works in that it's it's based more off of the Japanese when the, when Toho was making King Kong movies like the original King Kong versus Godzilla. And. I think they made one called like Son of Kong or something hmm. like that. And then they, they were trying to make <clears throat> him look more like a kaiju, you know, and, and sure. that I, I think that works for this movie in that, okay, this isn't this isn't the King Kong story. It's a giant gorilla monster that we're calling like it's close enough, but it's not King Kong. And so from that angle, I like it. And I like that they went, well, he's not a giant gorilla. He's a giant monster thing whose closest resemblance is a gorilla. Um, so therefore, he doesn't need to be as natural or seem like a gorilla. He doesn't. He he isn't built like a gorilla. His legs are long like a human's. I mean, he he's not really a gorilla. But you do lose a lot of the the beauty that you had from like the two thousand five. And this one was, I think he shares credit with two actors as Kong hmm. Terry Notary, who I think is like a gym gymnast like stunt performer and toby kebble who is in the movie he's chapman the very southern uh, pilot guy who is a wonderful british actor who played koba in dawn of the planet of the apes which is a fantastic performance um, so bo- both kongs have been together in another movie where they're both playing apes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah toby kebble's a really great actor who i've he he was in a monster calls and he was in hurricane heist. Like he just kind of pops up and it's easy to forget that he's British because he's so good at the Southern thing. But, um, I, I so I, I don't know exactly if they both did mocap or how they kind of split that thing. Or maybe like Terry notary did more of the like athletic fight scenes and maybe, uh, Kebble did more of the stationary stuff. Um, so I still enjoy Kong very much in this, but it was kind of, seeing it so closely to, the 2005 King Kong, I was like, oh, right, this is different. And I had yeah. to yeah. kind of rewire my brain that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I can I can similarly call that a worse thing because I didn't have a strong worst thing. I'll say my best thing is just the, the people and the way that they're used. I feel, like you said, none of them are particularly rich, but they're all entertaining. And for what this movie is, that's totally enough. Like, mm-hmm. because this movie doesn't take itself as seriously as 2014 Godzilla I don't ask for the characters to have these rich dramatic arcs but as we'll discuss they do actually uh, achieve some dramatic effect with these characters um, that the previous one one didn't but like all the performers are really fun in it everybody has something to chew on even if it's just candy like even Richard Jenkins who has one scene is it's still fun to see him because he's one of my favorite actors like Shea Wiggum is really great in this. Uh, John Goodman, Sam Jackson. I like Toby Kebbell a lot. You know, this is wall to wall. He's got a really fun actors giving really fun performances. Um, so that and, and it helps in the movie. There's constantly some kind of monster, some kind of crazy thing they're dealing with. But still, it's fun watching those people interact before they get to Skull Island, and they're all just like 
hanging out and hanging out on the boat doing push-ups and uh, I don't know whatever having Brie Larson take laughing pictures of them <laughs> you know it was mm-hmm. just a fun time with fun actors and those are mine yeah I I also enjoyed the movie quite a bit and I I had a weird experience with this because I think I watched it as like a rental or, or something like that a, a two or three years ago and I remember being completely nonplussed by it like it made no impact and I remember being kind of bored um this time was completely different I don't know if that was because of the context of having you know the last two movies that we've done um or last three I guess because yeah two Godzilla sorry one King Kong um but oh, yeah I, I I I think I have of the the monster movies we've done thus far I think I enjoyed this one the best um my best thing is going to be probably the action sequences in general, which is a weird, it's always weird when that's my favorite thing about the mm-hmm. movie. Cause I feel like you really have to win me over with really compelling action scenes and, and having that be kind of the best thing about your movie. It's like John wick and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but all of the action scenes are really, really well shot. They're very interesting and they're very different. Mm-hmm. Like just compare the opening scene of of them running across Kong, right? And and having to try and fight him with all these helicopters, and they all just get smashed to like the giant insect scene where they're they're shooting yeah. at at the the bugs up above them, and they've got really yep. long legs, and they start that scene with a Cannibal Holocaust reference, which is yeah, it's it's a choice. Um, but I feel like it, it's kind of like how how. The bug scene and the T-Rex fight in the Peter Jackson one. Yeah. Like, those are, like, the bright spots of, of that movie. This is kind of, like, sprinkled with those throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Because it's a different movie. It's it's an action-adventure film. It's not yeah. it's not trying to be this big, grand epic. And it's also one hour and 58 minutes, which I greatly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say the action scenes, because they were just varied. And all of them felt like they got equal attention in terms of the filmmaking um worst thing is actually kind of hard to to decide because i do feel like this is like a almost a perfect summer blockbuster film where like it's very smartly made there's like tyler like you were saying there were all those little eccentricities all those little touches that while the story is not like the smartest thing ever it's it's sprinkled with all those little details that help make it feel more lived in or, or rich. Um, and even if the characters aren't, you know, they're they're not amazing. But, you know, Britton, to your point, they're all entertaining. They're yeah. all fun to watch. And it, it's fun to watch them interact with each other. Because yeah. I, I, I do like a good situation where we, you know, this horrible thing happens and, and like it's a group of characters just trying to figure out how to get out of the situation. Um but my worst thing, I guess, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like I, I still feel like Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson maybe don't quite yeah. get enough to do. And I understand. I think maybe the first time I watched, I was like, oh, they're the stars. They they are the leads. And mm-hmm. this time it's much more. No, it's an ensemble piece. Yeah. John Goodman gets plenty of screen time. John C. Riley gets plenty of screen time. Sam Jackson is <laughs> probably at least equal to both of them yeah. in terms of screen time. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like both of their... It's one of those situations where I feel like they're, both of them as performers are bringing it a lot more than the actual writing yeah. for their characters. Um, 
because Tom Hiddleston is basically just doing an audition for James Bond and Brie Larson's just like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm here. I'm taking yeah. pictures. Isn't it yeah. great? <laughs> she does get two pretty cool action moments, which I like. I haven't made Captain Marvel yet, so the internet doesn't hate me. <laughs> Didn't that start before? No, I guess that was Captain Marvel. Oh. Um. But yeah, that that I I it was hard to come up with a worse thing, so that's that's the best I got. And I guess no, maybe this is my worst thing. My worst thing is that I, you know, I'm guessing that none of these characters show up in the the next couple of movies in this universe. So I find that kind of frustrating. I know because this is set in the '70s, that's not really possible. But I still would have liked you know something there, especially because the the after credit scene is just like. Oh, are Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson going to go on an, another adventure or something? And then, nope. It's the last week. Yeah. It's probably the last we hear of, from those characters. Surely, surely there will at least be some cameo. In, uh, yeah. Or just, oh, even just like a mention of. Yeah. I could be wrong. Or, or uh, some, I don't know anything about the cast of Godzilla vs. Kong, but maybe, yeah, maybe same. they'll have a, a, a child and they'll show up and as yeah. the hero or whatever. Yeah, I, I have purposely not looked at the human cast of that movie so that I can be spoiler free. Yeah. Um, I just I, I find it fascinating that we're probably going to have more carryover of actors from the Godzilla movies than the Kong movie. I guess that might just be Ken Watanabe. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Point being, the last movie had boring characters. This one didn't, and I liked it more. <laughs> End of story. Um, Goodbye. I'm done. <laughs> I think that's a good starting point because you both mentioned uh, Brie Larson taking pictures. I that that's another thing that I think really adds to the the style of mm-hmm. this and kind of making these characters feel good, feel real. Um, she she takes pictures throughout the movie, and there's never a point where they make that a thing that matters all that much. Yeah. It's just a character thing, and so it gives you these moments of her taking a picture of the the islanders, um, <clears throat> and they're just sitting there staring at them as as they drive the boat away. And so you get these moments where she takes these pictures, and I think in a normal movie, a normal action movie or something like this, especially one that is supposed to be about all these characters getting picked off and, and all this, um, I kept waiting for her to be like taking a picture of somebody, and then, oh no, she's been attacked. Uh, oh, gotcha. you know, someone, someone's been killed, uh, on camera, but no, it's just, she's taking pictures. We're seeing what those pictures turn out like, and we don't have to do any more than that. Um, and I thought that was really neat that, that, that it, there's a, there's a real, uh, genuine, um, vibe to this movie in terms yeah. of the characters just doing things that feel like characters would do. Um, there, there's a big point I want to add on to that, but I, I kind of want to save it and talk about it sure. later on because I think that's a big and nice capstone to this discussion. And part of why I really came away from this movie thinking this is really good. Um, what did you, what, what did y'all think of Brie Larson overall in this? I, I liked her. And I think a lot of that just comes from, I like her on principle. And Same. so I, yeah, the movie just kind of goes here. Just kind of line relies more on her charisma it doesn't like, I mean, she runs around in a tank top for a lot of the movie, but it's not like really cleavy and she's yeah. not like, she's more actionized than anything. Like she gets the thing with the lighter where she mm-hmm. like kills one of the skull crawlers. And then she has another moment. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's in like the final climax. That's like, 
she's like the catalyst for some really cool thing. Um, did y'all catch her second character, her bonus character? No, I don't think so. She's one of the uh, islanders that huh. first. Yeah, she's had, she had a spear at them. Neat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, which I. It's kind of a neat little cameo thing, but I feel like the islanders were not that offensive in this um, yeah. comparatively because it's like, you know, they they seem to be cast as people in that region of the world would be, and we're not gonna we're not like necessarily stealing from other cultures to create theirs it's just like no they're they are also they are also here and there's they are why uh they're a part of why john c Riley has survived this long and like it kind of helps flesh out the island a little they're... bit more without <clears throat> like cre- it also does it doesn't help that or it helps that they're not played like monsters or right it, like they're not yes, exactly or elements <laughs> yeah yeah they're denizens they're... of this place and they're like they're they're played as like sophisticated survivors like they've got yeah. their wall with all the spikes to keep out the scroll crawlers and they've got this dam that they can lift up which is pretty neat yeah uh, that's like made above logs so they can and it covers up to the surface of the river so they can bring it up if they want to go under it um and they've got this paint hierarchy there are a bunch of them oh, that are in amazing. yellow paint and then uh yeah. some of the the elders are in blue paint which is like a neat touch it's like okay that's that's some thinking about telling the story of the world through character design and, and yeah. makeup and stuff. Um, and yeah. they're really cool. Like they have, they've painted all these separate rocks that when you line them up the right way, they create oh, yeah. images, which look amazing. They look so good. Really cool. Uh, and talk about a uh, character. They, you, through that, you see like, oh yeah, Kong's parents and blah, blah, blah. And then the, one of the paintings is, is Kong kneeling at the, these two uh, uh, dead creatures mm-hmm. that you assume to be his parents so that that in, immediately we have a different view of this kong it's like oh he's like a teenager yeah <laughs> right uh which is and, and they still they reiterate the thing about his parents a few times but in a in a way i i, I thought that looked really cool and, and and worked but all of those like multi-rock paintings just looked so good i don't know if they were physical or not but it was great yeah it was nice that the movie just had such a different visual style from the 2005 one and i I think the the general approach to this is actually kind of really smart if you're gonna try and build this into a cinematic universe where you know we've talked about the original king kong like it's kind of just a single story like there's nothing like he dies at the end like there's nothing more like what do you do after that so I like how, how they kind of just repurpose some of the elements and just do something different, um, which I think is the only way you can do this. And I, I it actually helps that we've had at least a couple of remakes prior that just kind of do the original story again, which makes this feel even more justified um, and basically just turning it into a <laughs> Vietnam War <laughs> like summer blockbuster mm-hmm. apocalypse now thing is is fascinating to me <laughs> yeah the uh the heart of darkness references uh, yeah. were really thrown because tom hiddleston's character's name is conrad is in uh it's joseph or james joseph conrad uh, right? joseph i know things um joseph conrad wrote heart of darkness which is what apocalypse now is loosely based on and so that was there and i was like okay cute it's neat sounds good but then 
John C. Riley's character is named Marlo, who is yeah. like the main character. Heart of, I have not read Heart of Darkness in. I don't even know if I finished it. I haven't read it in years, but I know that these are references. And when that happened, I yeah. was like, "What? Okay." <laughs> and of course, they got to hit a uh, bad moon rising. <laughs> right. Um. And oh, there's another one that was like, "All right, you're you're going a little, you're steering a little hard into the Vietnam uh classics here." I thought they were actually going in a pretty smart way with the music choices up until mm-hmm. like later where it's just like, get some more Cretans revival. Yeah. Get, 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 get some more. Yeah. <laughs> was we'll meet again CCR used, in there. <laughs> was we'll meet again used in apocalypse now or full metal jacket or something. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Cause I, I did like the reference to Apocalypse Now where they have the helicopters against the sunrise or the sunset mm-hmm. or sunrise. But so you're like, oh, it's like Apocalypse Now. But then you realize that the focus has actually got Kong against the sun. Yeah. Which is a fantastic image. Mm-hmm. When, when this giant, this, there's flying and the tree just out of nowhere <laughs> impales one of the helicopters. And then you start to realize, like, all of these helicopters are are flying in, and then there's Kong looming in front of the sun. It's a great image. Mm-hmm. And then there's Toby this really, really good say, scene. Not a giant monkey. <laughs> and and Britain, didn't you just want to punch the screen? Well, I was, I genuinely was expecting someone to go, he's an ape. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Or um, when, like, afterwards, after the fight, I think Jason Mitchell is saying, I'm like, what was that? I can't, what? And Shea Wiggum goes, that was an unusual an unconventional encounter. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, the way he delivers that made me laugh out loud. Um the that entire sequence is lovely in yeah. a horrifying way because he's Kong is smashing all these helicopters out of the sky and he's throwing them around and stuff. And there's we're, we're slowly splitting up the party through mm-hmm. this sequence and there are multiple times where somebody or something is getting thrown out of screen and yeah. out of the perspective of, I, I think at one point there's a guy hiding behind a, a pile of supply boxes that have fallen. And right. I think maybe Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston are there and they start running cause they realize Kong is coming and he swipe Kong swipes and knocks the guy. And that you see the guy go flying into the air and then we cut to a helicopter and the guy goes flying up and smashes into the screen of the helicopter. Um, yeah. And there's another time where that happens where he throws a, I think a piece of helicopter and it, it is in one place and on the ground. And then it, it's, it gets up into the people who are still in the helicopters and it blows up helicopters, mm-hmm. something like that. It's really cool. That's, that's yeah. really neat. I love that. I love that sense of the, the geography, even as chaotic as it is um, that it's like, this is all happening in a very chaotic area. And it makes you feel like anybody could die at any moment because yeah. um, Kong is doing so much damage and so much stuff is flying around. Uh, And I think that persists like later in the movie. uh, Is it Chapman who's on a on the edge of a lake when Kong comes to like wash himself off Mm -hmm. uh, and Kong gets attacked by a squid? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the watcher in the water from Lord of the Rings. Um, (laughs) And he attacks it and is tearing it up. Uh, but that an entire scene feels like Chapman could die at any moment because yeah. Kong, we already know how destructive Kong is and, and how close he is to uh, anything at any given time because he can move so fast and he's so huge and powerful. Um, yeah, uh, I think that was a really effective opening 
to get you acquainted with. It's like, all right, that's Kong. He's big. <laughs> he, he, he can kill you. <laughs> I like, uh, apparently Jordan Roberts has, was pretty open about the influence that video games had on him as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think it really worked here that he doesn't try to make it a video game. He just knows like, what would be really fun, crazy action things we can do in this movie um, that I think ramp it up a lot and make it not just exciting, but genuinely fun. Um, like everything you just mentioned. And like when he Kong, like kills the squid or octopus or whatever, he like stamps on it and you see ink come out <laughs> in the water. And I was like, Oh God. Um, but even just down to like these random encounters, like where they're fighting those horrifying spiders with the crazy long legs. And they realize, Oh, we got to cut them off at the leg and they're doing that. And then the giant, like, Spider faces right at the camera. Like, all of that stuff is so good. The log insect thing uh-huh. that rears up at Chapman. It just looks so good. And apparently, the skull crawlers were partially influenced by the Pokemon Cubone. <laughs> which makes me very happy. <laughs> That's great. And terrifying. Oh, Cubone. Um, I never really understood how the skull crawlers move because they have front legs and a tail. But their front legs are like, are like arms. Mm hmm. So I was like, they just do. <laughs> yeah. The movement is part of it. <laughs> yes. They just do. Um, One thing I did want to point out in terms of the action scenes, I, the one time that I got a little by, bothered by like, okay, that's too much, is um, when Tom Hiddleston has to put on the gas mask and, and sure. John C. Riley throws him the, <laughs> the sword and uh-huh. then it turns into a Zack Snyder film for like twenty seconds. Yeah, like it's it's, takes... a stri- it's it's a shot straight out of three hundred with with him running horizontally to frame, and yeah. it's it's just like zooming in on him and zooming out, and he's cutting up all these these bird bat things <laughs> that are flying around. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little bit much. Um, it's but interesting. Everything else is fine. Well, it's interesting because he takes off the gas mask before he's out of the <laughs> gas. <laughs> It's like, all right, I don't need to look cool anymore. Well, it's gas, so it'll only be in a contained area. And then he also, it's like, he took it from John C. Riley as though John C. Riley couldn't use the sword well, which he definitely could. Yeah. It was was, was only like, this is a cool moment, but it's only happening because it's a cool moment. I was hoping that it would immediately cut back to John C. Riley, and he's like, oh, crap. And then they just, like, swarm him. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I overall was not super into Tom Hiddleston's character. In this, sure. I think he was kind of the most neutral of all of them for me, where there wasn't a whole lot there that made me really uh, find him endearing or anything. Uh, he's yeah. playing a, a fairly bland action hero, but he's got so many fun characters around him that it's not too distracting. And he has some fun interaction with Brie Larson. Um, I, I think with him, the best I can think to put it is that he's playing a role and not a character. Yeah. Like, he is intrepid adventure man that's that's his role and and he's not bad at it like, no it, it's just there's not much there to dig into and even with the other characters if they didn't have something none of, like, none of them really had these rich characters but they had something funny to do or cool to say there was some kind of like material they had to hook into and and uh hiddleston was just like it's a lot of smoldering and a lot of like you you listen to me. If we're gonna get off this thing, it's it's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like overall his performance and, and kind of just 
general impressions on the character are about on par with Aaron Taylor Johnson's character in Godzilla. The problem is in Godzilla, he spends, uh, we talked about that, but he spends so much of that movie just on his own or interacting with new people. It's yeah, not right. an ensemble. Whereas the, with this one, it's like, no, we're always in a group and we're interacting with the same group of people. So we're establishing relationships and kind of building on that. Yeah. So I, I feel like this is, it, it, I, I don't know if it's Max Borenstein kind of learning from the mistakes of, of <laughs> the last one because he co-wrote this one too. I don't know. Well, I also like that he and Brie Larson never become like a love story. There's definite sure. flirting, but it's that never becomes like either of their story arcs, yeah. <laughs> which was which was nice. Um, and, and I like the way they kind of wove in the Kong bonding with a pretty blonde woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> like without them fully do like, repeating that story from uh, uh, Andero. It's just like no, they they bond, and she clearly like. They they connect in some way, and that helps him not try to hurt them and motivates them to help Kong. Yeah. Um, so I thought all of that was was nice. Was nice. It was nice that Borat. Sam Jackson uh, played an actual character instead of just himself. <laughs> he says, "Hold on to your butts," which was which was fun. Yeah, like he did in Jurassic Park. The speech he gives when uh he when they're flying the helicopters into the storm uh yeah. where he's talking about Icarus then he's like the United States Army did not send us with wax wings we are not irresponsible fathers they sent yeah. us with cold rolled Pennsylvania steel that is so good <laughs> like it's so over the top yeah. and lovely and fun um and then of course they all immediately get <laughs> just wrecked by Kong <laughs> It's, well, it's like when good. they're going down, Shea Wiggum starts yelling, I need you to tell me, do you love your mother? How much do you love your mother? <laughs> like, it's he's so good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know how I felt about him dying. Like, I understood that he was like, okay, we're being chased. I'll sacrifice myself. I'll, I'll light these two, or pull the pins out of these grenades. So when the skull crawler eats me, I'll blow it up from the inside. Right. And I like the skull crawler comes up and then just like whips him into a mountain uh-huh. <laughs> and he explodes. It's kind of fun, but I, but I, I, at that point was enjoying his character so much. I didn't want to yeah. leave the movie, but yeah, still, I, it worked. I, I felt that the movie had a couple of instances of while the shock value was nice. Yeah. Um, maybe we didn't need to kill those characters off when we did like Chapman. Like he has that scene where he's sitting on the log and it, you know, <laughs> It turns out it's a creature. He starts shooting at it, and then uh, he gets taken out from behind by something else. Um, and then uh, Shea Wiggum's death. I, I don't know. Both of those just kind of seemed off to me. I, I think shock value is is the right word. I think that was, a, oh, let's have another human die. Because since this movie had, again, smartly was like, well, we'll send like this troop of the military. There were constant faceless soldiers that we could have. <laughs> picked off or killed in a way that still showed the the monsters and the danger of the world while keeping most of our core cast alive. Um, even though several of them, well, at least three, four, uh, do die. Um, but I, I, I liked, uh, how like John Goodman, he's like trying to take pictures with the, with the camera that the shutter bulb keeps malfunctioning. And so then when the skull crawler eats him, you see the, the bulb flashing as he goes down the throat. I thought that was really, really cool yep. and, and kind of haunting. Um, 
And Sam Jackson just gets smashed. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong just like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, this movie almost seemed like... I'm almost thinking of like typical internet discourse of like, oh, that's a plot hole. This character should have done this. And th- why didn't this happen or whatever? Yeah. Felt like it, in some of these moments, it was very like tongue in cheek with that, where it's yeah. just like, no, if Kong sees that this guy standing literally in front of him while he's about to blow him up, is it's like he's standing right there. He'd smash him. Yeah. And then he smashed him. <laughs> and I like that the, 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 the fact that this movie is so clearly committed to being doofy entertainment that yeah. like so many of those criticisms kind of go out the window. Cause you're like, it, it makes sense. I totally follow everything. It, it doesn't take so much Liberty with, it, it doesn't go, well, we're just trying to be fun. So therefore we don't have to be good. Um, it clearly still tries to have some logic, some logos, pathos and ethos to it, but it doesn't, um, I don't know. It, do, it, it doesn't get overly concerned with that. It's like, look, we're trying to be entertaining let's be really entertaining. And I think it totally succeeds in that. And, and I think that I, obviously I really love the 2014 Godzilla for personal reasons. I do think in a lot of ways, this movie is more creatively successful. Mm-hmm. I think it's goal. I think it meets its goals better than the previous one. I think the previous one was like, we're trying to get across the awe and the dread of Godzilla, which it does. But a lot of the other stuff kind of falls to the side as a casualty of that almost. And this one is like, we're just trying to make an entertaining movie. And admittedly, it has the benefit of we're going to this exotic location with these. We, we, we can just come up with crazy monster ideas. There's no canon. There's no, what do we want to make? We want weird, you know, raptor birds. Let's do it. We want crazy log bug. Let's do it. Big old uh, water buffalo. That was awesome. Th- those are really cool. Like, let's just let's just throw it all at the wall and, and see what happens. And then we will create these fun characters. Like the goal of this one is so much more about fun. And I think mm-hmm. because of, there are fun parts of 2014 Godzilla, but its goal is something different. And I think this right. one has both an easier, a simpler goal, but a harder goal. And I think it, it, uh, it succeeded because comedy is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment is hard. And, uh, I think it, I think it quite nailed it. Um, did y'all have a favorite monster apart from Kong in the movie? Because my thing about spiders, I got, I did like the tr- the tree spider thing. Yeah, I think, I my, think that that might be yeah, my, my thing about. Spider. I mean, it's for some reason they haven't quite gotten the antagonist monsters, like the primary antagonist monsters, nailed in these movies. Because like between the the skull, was it skull crushers? Crawlers, that's crawlers. The, that's the workout. What are they called? Skull crawlers. skull crawlers, skull crawlers, skull crawlers, skull sneakers, uh, type of shoe. <laughs> no, we'll skull be, sneaker uh, is a warrior. Putting that in our merch store next week. Skull candy uh-huh. headphones. Yeah, <laughs> but between them and then the other mutos from uh, uh, Godzilla, not not super impressed. It's more just we need something for our yeah. our hero yeah. monster to punch. They're very serviceable, but they're yeah. not really and- memorable. Uh, I feel we have come to the natural, uh, the most important point of this discussion, which is uh, propeller flail. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we we have had so we've talked about. I mean, you've got your your cap Captain America picking up Mjolnir, right? Yeah. You've got um, 
Transformers killing Transformers with a boat and a chain in Bumblebee. Mm -hmm. Doing some good stuff. Uh, There are some other legendary... I mean, I think maybe uh, we put King Kong tearing the T-Rex jaw uh, up there. There are there are some fight scenes that uh that I think specifically Britain and I I don't know if Alex so much sure the the riff off from Pitch Perfect the I mean, riff off from just... Pitch Perfect <laughs> now you got me the Green Bay Packers showing up in Pitch Perfect too um, <laughs> yeah. I was just gonna say Thor Thor showing up to Wakanda Thor showing like, up to Wakanda there you yes, go definitely there, that's mine there are things that we attach to and I feel like this can very easily go in the canon because yeah. um there's a sequence where. Kong has been completely wrapped up in chains because he's fallen in, in into this like rubble of an yeah. old derelict ship. Yeah, it's um, a great allusion to the original Kong story that he is mm-hmm. bound in chains. Right, uh, and then uh, the the skull crawler is going towards the boat. He's trying to eat all our fun human protagonists, um, and Kong is struggling. He's ripping out, and Tom Hiddleston's running around trying to distract the skull crawler. And you see the scene where Kong looks over and he sees the propeller of the boat is wrapped around one of the chains that's kind of tied around him. And then the next scene, he he rips this propeller off and slings it like a hundred feet yep. across the clearing and just <laughs> whacks this thing, just stabs it right up with the propeller. And then he follows this up when he gets into real like hand to hand fighting. He follows this up by I believe he kills it by wrapping the propeller chain around his hand and holding it. He's like it's like a propeller brass knuckles. Yeah. That he just like punches this thing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like slices its throat. <laughs> yes. Uh it's real good. That's that's yeah. fun. That that is that is good, creative, dumb action. And I want all of that in my movies. Um yeah. Oh, that's like that's like the fist pump in the theater. Yes. Like yes, they're it doing it. Um I've I've heard inklings uh that Godzilla vs. Kong may have similar things, and I can only hope. I can only hope yeah. we we reach these heights. Um, there's also a great part, a great part at the beginning of that fight where Kong rips a tree out of the ground and like shears the branches off. Yeah, and, and just like slams this the the skull crawler in the head with it. Uh, yeah, he holds it. Out. He wields it like a sword at one point. Yes. He's like, "All right, begin." It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and that that speaks to everything we've been talking about. I mean, I I can sing praises about that in kind of a jokey manner all day, but I do think that's really creative. That's really fun. I, I think I love that. I love the idea of Kong using more kind of tools uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, not especially considering we're, we're putting him up against Godzilla, apparently. Um, Got to give him an advantage somehow. So I think it's pretty neat. Oh, I, I sorry. I completely agree. I think that is such a fun and, and it's the kind of crazy action that Organic is a weird word to use, but it feels like, I don't know, it didn't feel forced mm-hmm. in a weird way. It just felt like this natural rising action, like Pacific Rim or, or something, where it's like, we're going, oh my, oh, they're going to do it. And yeah. it's just, it it really, really lands. Um, yeah, I can't remember how he ultimately kills the big one, which I do like that they call the, the big skull crawler the big one. That's how John C. Riley keeps referring to it. <laughs> because it's funny, but it also there is a kind of like, gravity to it in yep. a way where he's like oh that's the big one yeah like that kind of that um, kind of length. i can't remember exactly how he kills it i want to say he breaks his neck or something yeah like i think it's basically the propeller slice yeah I, I think it's somewhere along the way it tries to eat brie larson but kong has brie larson right. in his hand and uh 
then I think, oh, wait, he rips out its tongue. That's right, because that's what that's, happens. Yeah. Is that it tries to wrap his hand around and then. Yeah, and he tries to swallow him, and then he pulls out like the tongue in the stomach. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh pretty man, good. Um, I there's also a part a part where uh, he tries to rip uh the jaws of one of the smaller ones apart. Mm-hmm. Um. And it doesn't really work. I'm convinced we're going to get something related yeah. to that. And I, I can't imagine he'll do it to Godzilla. <laughs> but sure. uh, as, as again, also, I'm trying to avoid spoilers with this. I think Alex probably knows the whole plot of the movie by now. Um, but uh, <laughs> with, with Godzilla versus Kong. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know the plot to Kong Skull Island at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Pop quiz, Alex. Uh, what is the name of the big ape? in the movie <laughs> toby kebble <laughs> <laughs> no it was john goodman john goodman <laughs> wonderful character actor who's never bad in anything and i mean that sincerely he is literally good man yeah is he good in the flintstones movie that i have not seen probably I can't i can't imagine it's his fault <laughs> yeah it's John Goodman. The question still stands. It doesn't matter if it's his fault or not. <laughs> I would assume he's probably fine. I don't know. I haven't seen the film. But we will next week when we review yes, the Flintstones sir. as part of our really ongoing. Look, Attack of the Clones isn't Hayden Christensen's fault, but he sure didn't make it better. <laughs> uh, is it time to talk about John C. Riley? Because I have, I also have. Thanks to say about John C. Riley. Let's do it. There are only two Flintstones movies, so we don't have anything else to talk about. Dang. Um, Surely they show up in Scoob. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, John C. Riley shows up in this, and uh, he immediately kind of establishes, maybe not immediately, he establishes a backstory where he's like, all right, I've got my uh, my son who is born right before I, I got shot down in Germany. Or whatever. Not no, not Germany. Someone else in the Pacific, yeah. But he was he was fighting the, the Japanese. There's someone else who I think got shot down in Germany or something. They they mentioned Hamburg. Oh, that was uh Goodman. No, no, Goodman was on a ship that got attacked by Godzilla. I don't know. I think he might be right there. It might be something like that. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, uh, John C. Riley uh establishes that somewhere out there he's got a son. And he's got a he's got a wife who haven't seen him in forever because he's been on this island since World War Two. Um, and then, uh, after that happened, I was just, I was waiting for him to meet up with the other soldiers and then be like, wait, my, my dad's name was Marlo and my mom remarried. Oh my gosh, you're my dad. Um, and I was waiting for it when he met up with the soldiers. I was waiting for it. Like when he got back to the boat, I was like, all right, there, there's gonna be some cheap reveal or yeah. some, some guy who we have gotten three lines out of. It's going to be the the um, long lost son because John C. Riley specifically says, I just like to see him one more time. Yeah. I was like, Oh, he's going to see him. He's going to get to see a picture of his, his wife. Cause the, the guy's going to be going to have a picture of his mom. Um, and that, and then he's going to die. Then he's going to sacrifice himself to save Kong or whatever. And he's going to get eaten by right. the big thing. Um, Kong's going to turn slowly and say his first line, dad. <laughs> <gasps> That too. That would be wow. Awesome um, but instead, uh, we get this this lovely sequence uh, in the end credits where it's filmed on an old timey camera. It's mm-hmm. it's it's supposed to be similar to what Brie Larson's been using the whole movie, um, but it's it's film instead of just photography. 
and we see him get back home and he walks home and he, 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 he knocks on the door. He's got some flowers. He's in his, his soldier's regalia. Um, he's all nervous. Uh, his, his son and his wife are there and they're just like, Oh my gosh, you're back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm back. And he hugs and it's sweet. He's like crying. Uh, he, we, we jump a little bit later, I assume. And he's, he's sitting down to watch a Cubs game and he's got, he's got a Chicago hot dog and, uh, whatever, a drink or something, a beer. And, uh, it's the sweetest thing. And I was like, that's so good. That's so like, it's so brilliant. And it's so simple (laughs) to be like, Hey, what if instead of taking, you know, our random movie character that you're not going to be that like attached to, uh, right, right. And and you know, trying to drum up some cheap drama so that you can have him get uh killed and and then be like slightly sad about that cuz he was a nice character. Uh and then we now it's like, okay, great. His son is this guy who we barely know. Instead of doing any of that dumb stuff that I I cannot think of a great one-to-one comparison with this. But I know I've seen movies yeah. that would that would have done that. That would have taken this scenario and they would have been like my son is chapman we have to save him or whatever you know like (laughs) yeah something where they would have done something dumb like that he would have died he never would have gone off the island that's it but instead it's like hey why not just make this like have this cute little feel good uh you know 20 20 second 30 second bit that we're just gonna throw in at the end there as they're sitting there watching the credits it's like hey that's 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 cute he actually got back he you know he's home again he got to finally return to chicago uh and, and live out his days presumably like that's yeah that's so nice and that's so that's so much smarter than, than trying to work trying to make your audience jump through hoops to care about something yeah. uh and i wish more movies would have that approach of just like you can just make it simple and make it feel genuine and make it yeah make you leave an impact on the, the audience by just doing something that's a little bit a little bit neat well, and it's it's done without dialogue, which mm-hmm. is really effective. And it's, I kind of like the, that it says, it's not literally the post credit scene, but it's like the post movie scene. Yeah. It's like, all right. It might even run over the credits. I can't remember. Yes, but it like, does. it's like side by side. Yeah. And it's just this like bonus thing and it's filmed differently and there's no dialogue. So it is just like this addendum to the movie. And I think that works better than if they had tried to shoehorn a dialogue, a scene, that scene with dialogue mm-hmm. into the film. They're just like, no, it, it's this little, ex- like, okay, the movie's over. Oh, and here's this extra little bow that we've put on it that does, it's not the most moving thing I've ever seen in a movie, but it, for what this movie is, you don't expect to have that type of sincerity. And so then at the end of it, for it to have that, I think is really, I completely agree. It's very touching and, and is way more satisfying. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that they didn't just have him be a crazy person. Yeah. Right. Um, because I could have totally seen it where he's he's crazy and he's like, we're never leaving the island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you must obey Kong. And then he like stabs Sam Jackson right as he's about sure. to do something. Or yeah. They didn't do any of that stupid nonsense. Yeah. Or, or he has like a like a, a rock that he talks to or something. And he's yeah. always like, hey, don't say that about them. You know, it's just they, they I like that they created this thing where he and the Japanese soldier who who he was fighting became friends. Yes. And they came to lean on each other. And that's all very sweet. And it like I like. Yeah. Sincerity is the word that like that is a character that 
the movie treats sincerely. And there's comedy with him. But yeah, he's not just the Ben Gunn who's just been driven mad on the island. He he has his wits about him. He's a little kooky, but like mm-hmm. he's a real person who looks pretty cool with that sword. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like John The goofiest thing ever really get with him is when he's like I I call him Skull Crawlers because yeah. because that's the name I came up with because I thought it sounded cool. It's actually kind of lame. Never mind. Yeah, and that felt a little bit like John C. Riley in a Will Ferrell comedy where it's like right. riff, mm-hmm. keep riffing, keep riffing. But everything else was fine. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, I think that there's a few moments with him where you could tell they were like uh, improv, and we'll just kind of leave the camera running. Yeah, which is fine. None of it's like terrible, but it does feel that's when the humor starts to feel a little more pushed. Whereas yeah. in other parts of the movie, it feels a lot more natural but which i enjoy that stuff in a in a will ferrell john c Riley movie because that's what i'm there to see right but you know trying to foist it into another one is not as effective i really appreciated how they did the world building and connective tissue with godzilla in this mm-hmm. because i distinctly remember watching this movie and I think I had heard like, oh, the end credit scene, there's a crossover with the Godzilla movies because they're setting that up. So I kind of knew that going in, but I didn't pick up on anything else connecting to it. Um, they opened the movie with Monarch. Yeah. <laughs> and I completely forgot because I'd only seen the Godzilla movie once. I was like, oh, that's that's, you know, rewatching it this time. I was like, oh, that's the secret organization in this universe because every cinematic universe needs a secret organization right. connecting everything. <laughs> Correct. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought that was neat that it didn't call attention to it. And even when John Goodman, he says what the acronym MUTO means, but he doesn't say MUTO. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, all the, the ways they were able to do it just subtly and not like beating over the head of like, you know, the, the, the natives on the island, when you see the paintings, that's that's where we see the, the Kong uh, right, right. cameo. Um, I don't know. That... They had so many opportunities to do the wrong thing, and they managed to do almost everything right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that that post credit scene. I I wish that Corey Hawkins has more to, had more to do in the movie because I like Corey Hawkins, but just like yeah. The Walking Dead, they're not that interested in using him very much. Um, but he, I I like that ending credit scene because they. You know, they have the cave paintings, and I was losing my mind because I was like, does this mean Rodan and Mothra and Ghidorah are coming and not just Godzilla and Kong? And I was like, beside myself. And then they play the Godzilla roar. Forget about it. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also like that early on in the movie, well, early-ish in the movie, when they're walking through the jungle, Corey Hawkins is explaining the Hollow Earth theory. And I was like, oh, I probably didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but listening to it now, I went, oh, okay, that he's explaining the way the, the monsters work in this universe. Like, right. Which I don't think in the 2014 Godzilla they out and out say Hollow Earth theory. I don't think but it's, so. It's it feels like it's just a natural extension where it's like, oh, okay, they found the the Mutos kind of you know a little bit underground, and they had the sinkhole yeah. like that. It, it seems to connect in a way where it was like, oh, we're not just like. <laughs> we're not retconning or contradicting yeah. ourselves. Right, right. It's just kind of natural yeah, we're world on building. It. But we're doing it with a movie that's set 40 years prior. It's, I don't know. Somehow this is able to do better cinematic universe world building than like anything that's not Marvel. And even then, this is kind of better than a lot of the forced yeah. connective tissue in a lot of Marvel movies. But yeah, I, I liked how, I like the idea of them going, we're not going to try to, 
reinvent the wheel with these guys. They're going to be like, no, these guys have always existed. They're monsters. They've and they sort of ended up underground or under the ocean, like these. We, where we can justifiably say again, it's movies, but we can justifiably say that these huge things have we haven't not known about them before, um, and that also opens it up to more monsters coming in and creating new ones, and that you have Skull Island, which is they're all just running rampant on there because it's this untouched place, um, that I think works nicely because it's like in the in the Jackson King Kong it's like well eh, maybe the comet never it made it to Skull Island so that's why they're dinosaurs or evolution just kind of went the way it was going whatever which is fine and I like the way they use that in this movie where like yeah they there's nothing really stopping them from coming up to the surface they're just able to live and evolve on the on the island um yeah i think all of that worked quite nicely um, and i was also just very excited because of Godzilla and Rodan And I don't Agreed. mean the painter Rodan. Although I'm sure he would be fun in a monster movie too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else big to mention about this one, guys? I feel like there's got to be something. No. Yeah. There's nothing else. Uh, no. I did. No. I no. no. We're done. <laughs> I did find the editing in the movie interesting. Mm. Ah, yes. For- Particularly the opening act, because I I noticed just some interesting parallels with Suicide Squad in mm. terms of character introductions and like we're, we're going from place to place, mm. kind of picking up the team as we go. Um, but this feels it's very fast paced and it feels deliberately so it doesn't feel like a hatchet job at the last minute. Um, it feels like, OK. We're, we're speeding this up. You know these who these characters are. Like, we have very distinct openings for each of them. You got a good feel for them. And then let's get going on the adventure. It's not just like... I, Suicide Squad's obviously a, an editing nightmare. Um, but I just found that interesting, just kind of like comparing the two of like, here's how you introduce an ensemble cast, and here's how you don't. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I remember actually having a similar thought, and maybe some of that is because there's like... Tom Hiddleston is in like a red lit bar and they're playing a soundtrack song over it. Um, but it also works better. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, uh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that was all I really had to say. I agree with you. I think that it does kind of allude to, to, to suicides, not intentionally allude to suicide squad specifically, but like it does a similar thing. Apparently the movie, I think it, there was like a three hour cut of it. Hmm. And so it's really impressive that they hacked it down to what feels like a fully cohesive movie. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there were like full monsters that were cut or if it was just extra character stuff beforehand or, or what, but if they went from three hours to just under two hours, like that's pretty impressive editing. It's almost like the thing we always want movies to do. Uh, where they they come out and they're like two and a half plus hours, and we're like, th- th- there's a cut of this where you can cut out forty five minutes. Yeah, like, and hey, in what a if way we did that does that isn't just like overly functional, but is still an entertaining, satisfying experience. Sure, and I mean, it, it could be one of those situations where at some point we did get that that extended cut when when they released the massive box set of all all these movies. Sure, um, 
and, and maybe I would kind of have second thoughts about this and go, oh, well, the, there's a bunch of important character beats that are missed. Sure. And, and Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson feel like more fully fleshed out characters. Um, Shay Wiggum does his pantomime. <laughs> right. That's that's half of the missing footage. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this just feels like such a tight piece. Like it just, I, I don't know. It, it feels like the the goal from the outset just feels so much more clear and they achieve it like perfectly. Yeah. So I, I'm curious what a three hour cut would do to that. Yeah, I, I didn't really get from from where I was reading. I didn't really get a, a, the gist of like what what was cut so much as it was like, eh, you know, trimmed it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the runtime really works because like, and a lot of it works because it's so quick. And I think if it were a little longer, that would probably still, it, but it maintained the momentum and everything. It would have been fine. I, I was perfectly happy when I realized that the number one was in front of the hour mark when I started the movie. <laughs> I was like, Oh, great. Um, but also the movie just, it moves quickly and smooth and you know, it runs nicely. Yeah. So are we ready for grades or? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I'll go. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it the same grade that I gave um, the Peter Jackson King Kong. It's a B. Uh, I think overall it's probably a more consistent film, but at the same time, I think the Peter Jackson one maybe has higher highs, but also lower lows, if that makes sense. Um, it does. And they're obviously, they're two very, very different things. They're going for completely different goals. Right. Um, so so kind of looking at it at, on that, in that way, as best as I can, a B. <laughs> Solid, fun, dumb action movie entertainment, and it was less than two hours. Thank God. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go A minus. Um, I really enjoyed it and I think it's very creative. Uh, it's not trying to be, uh, the best movie ever, but it is trying to be the best version of itself. And, uh, I think it succeeds. I think it, it it's, it's tight. It's fun. It, it's just, it, it, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, uh, this is yeah. one of the first movies in a while, <laughs> except for maybe the Snyder cut, which is odd to say, um, that <laughs> I, have... you are, you're giving it the exact same grade you gave the Snyder cut. Yeah. Um, that I've really felt like engrossed in, mm-hmm. um, especially cause like Alex and I watched the Snyder, Snyder cut together. Whereas, um, a lot of the other movies I've watched on my own. And so that experience is harder to get into. Um, yeah. And I think the movie actually like got me into it. And I was like, okay, I'm digging this. Like this is, you know, I'm I'm act- actively invested in what's happening. Which I think we've gone through a long list of movies that either are movies that I've already seen, um, or just movies that did not hold me the entire time. Uh, so I, it was it was very pleasant. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm also gonna go A minus. I was really thinking about B plus, but that somehow feels a little low. Um, for me, I, yeah, I think it's just so entertaining. And it's a movie that I, w- I would recommend Kong Skull Island to not literally anybody, but I think there's a wider variety of people I would recommend this to yeah. than like 2014 Godzilla, which I love, but I feel like I would go, well, you know, if you like this actor, you can at least get to look at him, or if you like this idea, or if you like Godzilla, but 
Skull Island feels a lot more like, do you want to just like have a good time and it's just like fun and easy and crazy? Like, yeah, Skull Island, that's the way to go. This is like a good recommendation. Also, Mark Evan Jackson is in this movie and that's crazy. (laughs) And he has maybe three lines and it wasn't enough and it's insane that he's in the movie and I don't mean that in a bad way because I like him a lot. Um, he was the guy who's just wearing like a blue shirt when everyone else is in their fatigues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, okay. it was, it was pretty buck wild. So, a minus. Um, and he decides to go with the sh- soldiers to kill Kong at the end yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. they, and he like they immediately say... dies and is like, I wonder if forty five minutes of the footage that was cut was of this guy. Maybe well, there's... he's an extremely <laughs> funny performer. You've seen him on Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place, all mm-hmm. over podcast and everything. He's wonderful. There's a because they i think samuel jackson tells his character like do you want to be a a a dog hunting or do you want to be sitting on the porch or something like that right right he's like i don't want to sit on the porch and he dies (laughs) (laughs) it's great yes that's Um, it (laughs) oh man so yeah i recommend it and talking of recommendations i said Last week that I wasn't going to do one because I was going to give, da, 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 that's right, my top 10 list of 2020-2021. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's, I mean, oh boy, we got a lot of caveats. <laughs> um, it was obviously weird year, you know, there's a lot of movies that I, I got, I got a lot of the big movies this year are very available because of COVID and I got to see a lot of them. There are I haven't seen Promising Young Woman. There are a few movies that I'm interested in that I just haven't gotten to yet. So there are notable omissions, I'm sure. But these are just ten movies that I I probably have like really more of like a top eleven or top twelve. But to keep it true, I'm going to go with ten. So and I'm 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 just going to run through them. I'm not going to like take everyone through all my thoughts about them because I probably talked about them all. Uh, number ten, Sound of Metal. Number nine, Nomadland. Number eight, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Number seven, I'm thinking of ending things. Number six, The Assistant. Number five, The Invisible Man. Number four, Minari. Uh, Number three, Another Round. Number two, First Cow. And number one, The Five Bloods. Uh, And as usual, the order you could move them around. I really went back and forth on Five Bloods and First Cow. I was hmm. like, I, ju- I, ju- I, man, those both really hit me in very different ways, um, and it, it, it I, 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 I think I said the farewell was my number one movie last year. Right now, I would say my number one movie of the last year was Last Black Man in San Francisco. So you never know what I would say in a year, but uh, those, those, that, that's where I'm sitting out with my top ten right now. I might knock a few more out before the Oscars, but uh, a lot of people said you know there weren't any good movies out this year. There were. You just had to look for mm-hmm. them. Um, and a lot of them are on Netflix and Hulu and stuff right now. So and I'm sad that I forgot you were doing that because I, uh, I definitely should have tried to put together my bottom seven or whatever, because I've seen like <laughs> maybe 20 movies from the past since the, the, this Oscar season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was putting together like a top one, the only ones that would qualify would be Nomadland, uh, The Vast of Night. Oh Tenet. sure, Tenet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Zack Snyder's Justice League and First Cow. <laughs> First Cow, no, yeah. I already said no, my land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a movie recommendation this week, and I think it might be because I watched Nomadland, and I was like, all right, 
I'm satisfied for a while. I've, I've, that is, <laughs> that is like, that's all like, the movie in... I need to sustain me for the next few months. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant you rewatched it, but no, I just, I just like you mean yeah, from when you watch. I got you from from when I watched it. I think I was like, wow, that I'm not gonna have an experience like that <laughs> the next time I try and find a new movie to watch. Sure. Um, so I think I'm like letting myself distance from that a little bit while I'm ex- I'm doing other things. Um, Definitely. I, I have been reading a lot of comics and I think I'm going to recommend more comics because apparently that's what I do now. Um, my recommendation this week, which is not like a surprising thing to anybody who reads comics regularly, um, is uh, in the sense it's not a it's not an like underrated gym. It's mm-hmm. this is this is a very classic uh, run that people may not know about. Um, if you're not familiar with comics, and that is Chris Claremont's original X-Men run. Uh, mm. And specifically what I've been reading is, uh, or what I've read so far, I've read a lot of these before, but the the, the chunk that I just finished is from nine, uh, Uncanny X-Men 94 to Uncanny X-Men 142, um, which is a huge chunk, I know, but it's like a masterclass in pacing in terms of like setting things up and paying things off and storylines coming back and forth and kind of roping around. Um, and this includes the dark Phoenix saga. Uh, this includes mm. days of future past, which is actually only like two issues in the original run. I think huh. the movie would kind of leave you with the impression that it's a bigger, more epic. Yeah. I've thing. always thought it was a, a um, much larger. Story. And, and there are many stories from X-Men that get into crazy stuff like that, uh, that okay. do get a lot bigger. Um, but in terms of the actual original storyline, it's just two issues. Uh, and it, it, it flies along fast. There's never more than like four issues focused on a particular story going on. But it also shifts a lot so that there's these long stretches. Like there's a big chunk in the middle of this where the X-Men get captured by Magneto and taken to Antarctica under a volcano. And they break out of the volcano. But then now they're like stranded and uh, Xavier and Jean and Beast think they're all dead. Um, and this X-Men team is the like very classic team of like Cyclops, Colossus, Storm, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, um, just like, I'm probably missing somebody and I can't think of who, uh, Banshee, Banshee, Mm. there we go. Um, but it's, it's just classic X-Men stuff, um, takes you through a lot of different villains and things. Uh, and it's, I, I'm really impressed because you can tell that it's like an evolution from if you try and go back and read like, I don't know, 60s Avengers comics or, or something like that. Like the this this run was in the late 70s, early 80s. And Chris Paramount continued writing X-Men and I'm continuing to try and read through all these. So I might recommend like the next 50 issues uh, <laughs> next week. Um, I'm reading through all these on Marvel Unlimited, which is how I would recommend tracking them down because Marvel Unlimited is a pretty good service, a subscription service for reading Marvel comics. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm really into it. It's got me hyped about the X-Men and hyped about like seeing what, what we do with those in the MCU. Uh, I don't know when that's going to happen, but I want it to happen real soon because, man, I would like to see them done uh, justice <laughs> in, sure. in any form. <laughs> Yeah, I've never I've never read an X-Men comic, so that might be where I start whensoever I do. It's a good one. It's a very good one. Alex, you gonna recommend X versus Sever? <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> uh I don't have anything to recommend this time. I'm about halfway through the movie Windy, which is um 
kind of the a, a new interpretation of the Peter Pan mythos. Oh, um, from Ben Zeitlin, I guess. Well, oh, right? wow. Wait, the did, uh, who... Beast of the Southern Wild. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it has very mixed reviews. Um, I think it's OK so far. Um, when, did it, when did it come out? Uh, I think last year. Yeah, that's I a not... that's a covidized movie, I believe. Yeah, Man, I did not know that existed. I didn't know he'd made anything after Southern Wild. That's yep. fascinating. Yep. And uh, I have I have a mild fascination with with Peter Pan as a story and as an idea. So sure. I I, I had this on my my uh, HBO Max queue for long enough, and I'm like, I'll, I'll give it a go. Well, you're a big fan of Pan, right? Joe Wright's movie. <laughs> what? Starring Hugh Jackman. What? <laughs> Yeah, I understand wanting to pretend that movie doesn't exist. What? <laughs> Tyler, this... bring us home. <laughs> uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you you get those podcasts. So, huh. We sure are. <laughs> next Next week... King Kong of the Monsters. Oh, wait, that's not right. I've been Alex. It's Godzilla Kong of the Monsters, and I've been right. Britain. Like the uh, the dog toys. Exactly. The, the rubber that you put the peanut butter in. I've been Tyler, <laughs> and you're having a good night.